Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. Hi, I'm Rena Nainen, and this is Ask Lisa, the Psychology of Parenting podcast. It's a podcast to help parents better understand their kids. Dr. Lisa Demore, a psychologist with three decades of experience and the author of three New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. Both of us are moms ourselves, and we're eager to hear from you. So send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And you can join our community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The handle is Ask Lisa Podcast. And also subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel, Ask Lisa Podcast. Episode 155, should I be worried that my son is obsessed with weightlifting? Okay, I'm checking in with you. You know, the start of the new year, we said we're looking for ways to renew ourselves and to feel better and not to make it feel like it's a selfish thing. So how's it going for you? Uh, okay. <laughs> I guess I would say uh, B minus. Really? Um, yeah. Why? Yeah. I just have such like it's I'm like drawn to old bad habits, you know. Like it's I'll hard. check my phone like when I'm supposed to be trying to shut things down and go to bed. You know, I get distracted in ways I don't mean to. How about you? Well, so one thing when you were saying renewal for me, it is working out, and that mm-hmm. I shouldn't. And and I'm I'm not just going to work out. I'm trying to really enjoy it and feel like wow, I'm renew like being mental and conscious about that instead of just like okay, I just need to do this and get get over with. And so I up my time at the gym, which I'm staying true to, and that helps. But I hear you, Lisa. It's so so hard. And I'm also trying to read one book like that's not related oh. to my industry and something totally different that I would normally pick up. One book a month. And so 
trying on that as well. But it's, it's, you're right. It's like life gets in the way. But I think as long as you're trying and pushing and striving, that's important too, right? <laughs> well, I'm trying. I, don't know. <laughs> I just don't know that I'm succeeding. <laughs> well, I'm going to be checking in with you later. Okay, but I, I, let's but keep it, it going. It makes me feel good that you are also struggling like the rest <laughs> oh. of us to make it say like it's not an easy thing. No, B minus at best. Well, on the topic of working out, um, we've got this great letter and the mom is wondering if she should be worried that her son is obsessed with weightlifting. Dear Dr. Lisa, my 13-year-old son has become obsessed with bulking up. He is a healthy, active kid, and even though he looks like most of the boys in his class, he started to complain that he is, quote, scrawny and is now spending more and more time in the weight room at his school. I'm okay with the idea of him wanting to be fit, but I'm worried that this could go too far. He started asking me to buy protein powders to help him bulk up. They're expensive, and I'm not sure they're really a good idea. How worried should I be, and what should I do? Thank you. First, I got to ask you, Lisa, I mean, you deal with tweens and teens and kids. Are you hearing this? Tons, Rena. tons. Yeah, I will say it was, you know, it was one of those things that prior to the pandemic, we always were recognizing as psychologists that boys in particular can get um, into a dangerous place with weightlifting where it it has a lot of parallels almost with how we traditionally think about eating disorders in that it becomes um, very driven. The mom uses the word obsessed. I think that's actually a really key word here. Um, it becomes joyless. It becomes excessive. That's something we've always recognized. In the pandemic, I felt a shift. I heard a shift as kids were spending so much time online looking mm -hmm. at images of other people's bodies. We saw, and I wrote about, a huge explosion in traditional eating disorders um, that, you know, and you know how cautious I am mm -hmm. about laying anything at the feet of social media. This one, I have very few reservations about doing that. So we saw a huge jump in traditional eating disorders. And what I have then heard on anecdotally is there's been just this huge jump in boys and young boys, 12, 13, 14, getting really, really preoccupied with muscularity. And mm. so it is something I am hearing. And I'm hearing for the first time really in my career. Like I, I you know, in terms of just being much more broad-based, you know, like you would hear about prior to the pandemic and prior to like social media being so algorithm-driven and powerful for kids, you would hear about, you know, cases here and there. But this is a very much more widespread phenomenon than I've ever prior to this point in my career heard about. So do you think it's the social media, as you're saying, like TikTok, Instagram, it's all looks, you're seeing, you're being fed more of these athletes that you might aspire to be? Like, Where exactly is it coming from? Like, why now? So I think some of it is athletes. I think a lot of it's influencers. Mm. Um, I think it's a lot it quickly becomes interesting, Lirina, this kind of murky environment online of like what kids are looking at. And as I started to hear about this, I would go like start, I would ask boys, I'm like, what hashtag should I shirts to see this? And it's things like fitness motivation. Um, I had, a, I was at a boys school and I was asking the adults there, are you hearing about this? What do you know? And I said, what hashtags would be you know, useful for me to take a look at? And one of them sent me to the hashtag, hashtag gains um, Gains, G A I N Z, Z, yeah, yeah, and what I found there, you know, it was this really like um, 
fascinating, not healthy for the most part, stream of images. A lot of it, you know, very, very bulked up guys, you know, working out in the gym or images. A lot of it, though, also, Rena, adolescent boys taking photos of themselves in the bathroom mirror, like a mm. lot of that, you know, mm. and flexing their abs and flexing their backs, you know, posing. And then weirdly, Rena, and this, I don't want to get off track on this, but I want to mention it, mixed in there, sort of like weirdly sort of sexual misogynistic stuff too, mm. um, but like kind of subtle, but not okay. Like posts like, you know, and then you sneak up on the girl from behind, like, whoa, you know, and you're just like, what mm. is this? And so hmm. it's a whole world that a kid could easily get pulled into. You know, one of our most popular episodes or top episode in, in our podcast was the Andrew Tate one that we did. Do you yeah. remember that one? Yeah. When we were talking and about hate stuff that boys yes. can find online. Yeah. Our kids find online, many of them boys. And we heard from so many of our listeners about that episode, but it feels almost like the same thing on this one, but the the rise of influencers must have an impact yeah. on us, right? And, and you know, Andrew Tate, a wildly complex and for me, very worrisome figure, there is also a lot of kind of like jacked, ripped, muscle building. Like it's all in this kind of, you know, sometimes it's fitness inflected. Sometimes it's hyper-masculinity inflected. It means different things to different kids. I think different kids are going to find different angles on this. But bottom line, I'm hearing about it. Mm. I'm hearing about it. Lisa, I want to pause and take a quick break. But on the other side, I want to ask you, Really, how concerned should this mom be? And exactly what do you do about something like this? What's the best approach? We'll be right back. You're listening to Ask Lisa, The Psychology of Parenting. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using Earth Breeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off Earth Breeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. So I'm really starting to feel it in my mid-40s, just how much stress, hormone fluctuation, and the lack of sleep can really affect the way your skin looks, from dry skin to dark spots and acne. This is why I love one skin. They can really help. They've got a simple skincare routine that tackles skin issues at the cellular level. I love that this is an all-women team of scientists. OneSkin's developed a proprietary peptide called OS1 that's scientifically validated to actually improve the health of your skin beneath the surface. No irritation, no complicated multi-step routine. It's so simple. I really have felt the difference in how my face looks after using this product. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company by focusing on the cellular aspect of aging. One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. So get started today. Try it out with 15% off using the code ASKLISA at oneskin.co. 
That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code AskLisa. And after your purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them the Ask Lisa podcast sent you. I was recently watching an interview of the wife of a world leader. And in the middle of the interview, she reaches over to pull her bra strap up. And I thought, boy, this is something all women everywhere are struggling with. This is why I absolutely love Honey Love. I have the crossover bra, which is just so functional, but it feels so good on. I feel like I've got the support without feeling like I've got this heavy duty bra on. I've been through all the bras. The elastic wears out, the underwire pinches into your skin. You have to hand wash some. You can only wash them this type of detergent. And I just wanted something that takes out all the fuss and will support me day in and day out. Honey Love's not just supporting women, it's empowering women. So treat yourself to the best bra on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash askalisa. You can use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash askalisa to find your perfect fit. And after you purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. We hope you support the show and tell them Askalisa sent you. Honeys, you deserve this. Free the pain and discomfort and keep the support with Honey Love. Welcome back to Ask Lisa, the psychology of parenting. We're talking um, about a mom who wrote in a little bit worried about her son who's very obsessed with weightlifting. So Lisa, I got to ask you, how concerned should this mom be that the son is really obsessed with weightlifting? I think the word obsessed is a real flag for me. So if you ask fitness professionals and pediatricians, they will tell you it's okay for kids to lift weights. It's okay for young athletes to lift weights. It's it's not a bad thing, um, strength training on its own. It can have real value and of course, it should be right-sized to their age, to their you know physical capacities. On its own, it's not a bad thing. But the two flags I want parents to watch out for, and this I would say for any kid of any gender around any body weight, weight loss stuff, there's two flags. One is if it starts to dominate how they think about themselves and how it starts to change how they live. So if a kid's self-esteem becomes tied to a number on a scale or how much definition they have in their muscles, that is worrisome. If a kid, really a person of any age, um, stops eating dinner with the family because what is being served either, you know, if we think in more traditional eating disorder terms, it has too many calories, or in this terms, you know, doesn't have the right balance of protein to carbohydrates. You know, like it, there's, it's very easy to get down a rabbit hole of measuring all of the macros. I mean, there's all this stuff. If they won't spend time with friends or they're turning down time with friends because they need to go to the gym and they need to, you know, or they don't want to eat at the restaurant where their friends are going to eat, you know, things like that, big flag. The other thing to look for, and this is one to be, you know, any one of these is concerning, add them up, it gets more concerning. In all forms of body concern, there starts to be a distortion in one's view of oneself. Mm. So in traditional, how we've thought about anorexia, the way this takes a form of is you'll be looking at someone who is like, like, Rena, like skeletal. And they'll be saying, but don't you see my fat here? Or can't you see this pudginess here? And you're like, whoa, like very divorced from reality. And muscle building can actually go down that direction too, where you're looking at somebody who is like bulging muscles. And they're like, but don't you see how weak and small my mm. you know, calves are or whatever? So it's the two, those are the two flags to look for, like 
changing how they live, shaping their life around and their sense of self around physical appearance. And then another one just starting to not see their body in line with reality. Mm. So you're saying earlier in the podcast that you're seeing this increasing in a way, increasingly in a way that you haven't over the course of your career. But what about the research? Because for so long, Lisa, we focused on girls and eating disorders. Girls, it's, it seemed to me like boys don't have this problem. Is that true? So it's definitely not true, but it's definitely true that it's under-researched. And when we look at the research, the kinds of, if people want to kind of, you know, pursue this, like, well, you see this more under things like we call it body dysmorphic disorder when it gets dangerous. Um, and we sometimes we've called it bigorexia, like the flip of anorexia, the trying to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And there is research and it is well done. But I will tell you, Rena, and I'll tell you what the findings are. These are pre-pandemic numbers. So mm. one of the things that's so frustrating is to do the research well, it takes time and our data lag behind what's happening in the world. But even pre-pandemic, there were very good data showing that about 30% of boys are interested in trying to build muscle, which again is not on its own a terrible thing. But then there's also data showing that a percentage of those guys are getting into supplements, some getting into steroids, right? So this is where it starts to actually then turn into something more worrisome. So we know that it's not rare. I have, I promise you, Rena, in a year or two, when the research comes out about where things stand now, we're going to see very different numbers. We're going to see much more numbers of kids who are engaged with weightlifting, and then as a result of that, engaged with weightlifting in a way that's problematic, and then as a result of that, engaged with getting into changing how they eat or even engaging with, you know, using supplements and steroids in ways that are quite worrisome. Mm. One of the surprises, we've done a, a few eating disorder episodes over the course of our seasons. And one thing that surprised me is I think it's always portrayed as a, an issue that only affects white girls. Like this is just mm. only this one group. I'm just curious for boys, where does this fall when you talk about ethnicity and race? So we do have data on it, and um, I'm really glad you're asking because it's important for us to not always, you know, just center a white experience around these things, which the data, I have to tell you, overwhelmingly does. Like one of the challenges we have as psychologists is that we've done a pretty lousy job. We tend to like use convenient samples. They're often white samples, and then we present these data as though they are just true for everyone, and that's not the case. Mm. With regard to muscle building, in fact, what we find is the boys most likely to be engaged in more serious strength training or in strength training are not white. It tends to be black boys, Hispanic, Latino boys. Wow. Um, Asian boys are more likely in some samples to be lifting more than white boys. And so, again, old data, I'll be interested to see as new data come out um, post-pandemic if those trends are the same, if they're different, but it's not something that's evenly distributed across the races in terms of what we have as far as data so far. I know we're focusing on boys, but I just want to go back for a second. Girls and eating disorders, what are we seeing there? Mm. Just to close the loop on that, I, I know I mentioned it was always like a white girl problem. What I didn't say was what you had flagged, which is um, this isn't. No. This is not just no. one race. It isn't. And you know, we do see eating disorders, like no one is immune to eating disorders. We do see eating disorders across all racial and ethnicity groups. 
we see them across all socioeconomic groups. And interestingly, socioeconomically on the weightlifting data, there's no differences. It seems to be true across the board. Now, why kids get engaged with problematic, you know, eating disorders or heavy lifting is different. And some of the we we have to guess. Like we we then we you know we start making inferences. And so in terms of the data on why boys of color may be more likely to be engaged with weightlifting, some of the inferences you'll see in the literature are people talking about the stress of being a minority, right? And and mm-hmm. and what it means to be marginalized. And um that it may be a form of coping, you know, to try to control one's body or make oneself, you know, bigger, stronger. And and again, like all coping, it can be fine until it's not. Not all coping. There's forms of healthy coping that are fine until they're not. And exercise, of course, is a form of healthy healthy coping that's okay until it isn't okay. So when you look at this and you're talking even about healthy coping, in your mind, if you're hearing about this in your office, someone's coming to you, what would a worst case scenario look like? Mm, Okay. So let's picture this. Like, let's say the person who wrote this letter, you know, is working with me and we're thinking it through. And the kinds of things I would be listening for, for this like starting to really spin out of control. One would be, again, serious shifts in how this kid lives, right? Where his life is getting more and more narrowed, more and more focused on his body, on its maintenance. And again, even Rena, I mean, this isn't worst case scenario, but like, let's just linger on it for a minute. If the kid is spending a ton of time in the bathroom posing, flexing, taking photos of himself, like there's just something about that that you're like, really? Like, I mean, don't you sort of have a reaction to that? Well, I will say with a middle school teen that there's a lot of looking in the mirror and doing your hair. Yes. Just like (laughs) that, which I think is totally fine and age appropriate in my book. But um, I guess I'm just wondering, Lisa, when it goes over. You know, like I I look at my son who's a seventh grade boy and he's really into athletics. And I know it's not that far off until he'll want to do weightlifting. What's appropriate? What's okay? Okay. So it's probably okay, right, for him to do that. And one of the other things we see in the data is, you know, the kids who are engaged in weightlifting are more likely to be engaged with sports, which, you know, makes sense. But here's what I would say. It should be appropriate to his age. It should be done in the context of a coach who gets typical development and what is, you know, reasonable and healthy for kids. So I think another flag, another, you know, when is, what's the worst case scenario is if you have a kid whose weightlifting program is being dictated by some, it's interesting as I was looking through all of the different, you know, literature on this, like, as they call them, roid head (laughs) online, right? Somebody online who is like, you know, muscles bulging out of their, you know, temples should not be dictating an exercise program to a kid. You know, I mean, that just doesn't make sense. So we're still not at the worst, worst case scenario. I think where this starts to become very concerning is the use of supplements, right? Which these are very, they're really basically poorly regulated, if regulated at all. Mm. And then more and more worrisome that is like the use of anabolic steroids. And I am not a physician, you know, so I, I, I think people need to check all of this and and check with their own physicians. But anabolic steroids are not good for you. <laughs> I mean, like they're not good for you. Mm-hmm. And they can have, I think, massive implications, especially in younger, smaller bodies. 
around things like heart health, right? I mean, like you don't mess with heart health. So there's a lot of, you know, there's also mood stuff. There's, I mean, it's complex, but bottom line, you don't want your kid on anabolic steroids. And at this point, and I hate saying this, Rena, like kids can get stuff, right? I mean, that's mm. the problem with the interwebs, right? Mm. Kids can get stuff. It's so true. I mean, I just think protein shakes alone with all the powder, powder creatine, like, is that okay, you know, for a kid? Like, you know, it's just like, I, as a parent, I just don't know where to draw the line and where I should be concerned. So I'm just curious, what do you think, Lisa, is the checklist or guide for what parents should do in this situation? I think that if a parent has worries at all, number one thing, one thing I would say is like, you know your kid. Like if something doesn't feel right, like go with that feeling. Like don't, you know, don't let someone talk you out of that. And then I would say call your pediatrician. Call your pediatrician and say, look, my kid is trying to lift like this. My, try, my kid is trying to eat like this. What do you think? Have a conversation with a pediatrician. And, you know, good pediatricians will be like, bring them in, right? And the good pediatrician will sit with your kid and say, this is what is a healthy amount of exercise. This is what a healthy amount of protein is to consume. Because there's even, I mean, again, not a physician, but like the body, like you need to be careful about how much protein you consume. Like we're not designed to metabolize endless volumes of protein in a day, you know? So mm -hmm. have it be a conversation with a physician that is kind and supportive and knows that kid and is, you know, going to approach this from a practical standpoint um, and then keep an eye on it. I think that that's the way to talk and think about it. Mm. So much to think about, um, but I just want to go back to the point. What do you think parents should keep in mind? Because again, if they're being fed a lot of. And I love that your take on social media is not anti-social media. You know that it's here, yeah. and it's important to kids. But how do we keep an eye on this when you're just not able to regulate everything that your kids are looking at all the time? You're not able to, but I think this is a key point, which is you should be talking about what they're seeing online. Mm. You know, you should be curious about what they're looking at, you should ask to see what they're looking at. I mean, if your kid won't show you their feed, that's a flag, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. that's grounds for concern. Mm -hmm. You should search what they're searching for, right? I, I really, um, I try to mess with my feed, Rena. Like I try to see what happens if I search for this or that or look at this or that. Because I think that, you know, the way you have a successful conversation with a teenager about social media is you try to get to know it and you express curiosity and you take an interest. Um, so you should know what your kid's feed has. And if their feed has, you know, wildly problematic fitness content, you're down for a very important conversation. If their feed has hate content mixed in with that wildly problematic fitness content, you're down for an important conversation. It's, But it's about staying close. I think you don't want kids to feel shame. You don't want me. We don't want to make kids feel bad. But it gets to something, Rena, that just I keep coming back to and we keep coming back to in our conversations, which is norms shape behavior. And the problem with social media is that it can create new norms in kids' minds. If they're seeing nothing but image after image after image of these like other boys taking photos in the bathroom of their abs, it starts to feel like a totally normal thing to do with one's time. And so we want to be part of the conversation about what the norms are and should be. Mm. Th that's great to hear um, because I think often we do accept it when everybody in the community is kind of doing it. We accept it as normal and we don't – I just don't make a point to talk about it, which you yeah. say is so important to just have that conversation. Yeah. And I think 
I think you can do it on a couple of levels. I mean, I think one is you do it at the level of like, okay, I just looked at what's on your feed and it's not okay. Um, and it's not good for you. It's not healthy or it's you know, not good for you and it's also not good for other people, right? What's there? And then I think there's sort of the like, you know, 30,000 foot step back conversation where you say, look, don't let the algorithms tell you how to live, mm. right? That they, they are not, they don't care about you, right? They don't care about your health, your safety, your emerging decency. They care about making money. They make money by keeping you there. They're going to keep putting interesting things or, you know, alarming things in front of you to keep you there. This isn't where we take our cues about who we're going to be and how we're going to spend our time. It's great advice. Thank you very much. I mean, again, another topic I never would have thought of until we got this letter. So it's big. It's big. It really is. Um, I'm hearing about this more and more. So what do you have for us, Lisa, for Parenting to Go? You know, I think as I was I was thinking through our conversation here, it's so much easier sometimes when the way a young person is coping with painful feelings is obviously problematic, right? Like if they're smoking tons of weed, if they're, you know, self-harming, right? If they're engaged in these things that are obviously not good for them, it's so much harder when coping starts with something that is healthy, right? Getting to the gym, eating less sugar, right? And so I think as we walk up to these, you know, and I'm going to put it in finger quotes, healthy behaviors, we want to be really mindful of our initial response. That when a kid starts to do healthier things, we want to be you know, supportive, but I think always have a little question mark in our minds um, to make sure that it doesn't start to go down a road where something that starts out as healthy becomes problematic. Mm. Um, so it's it's good for kids to care about their health and pay attention to what they eat, but any kid who ends up in trouble around an eating disorder problem or a weightlifting problem starts on that road too. So we just want to be mindful. I love what you said. If that voice tells you something's wrong, listen to it. Yeah. You know your kid. So good. Well, next week we're going to talk about friendships. We know that that can be problematic at times too. Is there ever a way to gently drop a friend? We're going to talk about that next week. I'll see you then, Lisa. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.